guys, what is good? This is Morgan Mueller coming at you with the Joy and Hope podcast, where we seek to bring light to the dark. We actually have each of these episodes begin as a YouTube video. So if you would like to watch the original content on YouTube, search my name, Morgan, M-O-R-G-A-N, Mueller, M-U-E-L-L-E-R, on YouTube, look for the Joy and Hope logo. But otherwise, thanks for being here. Enjoy the podcast. Hi guys, Morgan here. And I'm Father Wager. Bringing you another episode of Joy Joy and Hope. Hope. (laughs) It feels so cool to do that (laughs) with other people. Yeah, so guys, this is my friend, Father Wager. He is a priest, as you can tell by the color. So he is here today to help us with this episode that actually goes out to a very special friend and patron, Michaela Valling. As a saint patron, she has chosen an episode that she would like to have made. So this is the traditional Latin mass and its place in the Catholic tradition. So Michaela, this one is for you. And shout out to all of um, my patrons on Patreon, specifically those who have chosen to become either blessed or saint patrons. You actually do have um, the exclusive patron only option to choose a topic for video. So if you have any ideas, send them my way and we'll make sure to get them loaded into the queue. But today's video slash episode slash podcast slash however you are viewing or listening to this dedicated in a special way to Michaela Valling. Thanks so much for your support, girl. Means a lot. And for all of those who enjoy the content on this channel, if you have not already considered becoming a patron on Patreon, please prayerfully consider doing so. Patrons are the ones who make it possible for all of this to happen. So thank you for all of those patrons and for those who have not yet chosen to take that jump, please consider joining the Joy and Hope family in that way. Before we get into today's episode, Father, would you mind starting us off with a prayer? Let's. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Veni Sancti Spiritus. Come Come Holy Spirit. Spirit. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day and this opportunity to gather together as your children. Help us to keep our minds focused on you, to give you orthodoxa, right praise, right honor, right glory. Lord, our very being, our very essence is to give you praise and honor and glory. Help us to fulfill that purpose. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Whenever you said thank you for this beautiful day, is it bad that internally I was just like, today sucks. It's raining. <laughs> yeah, no, like, it's today fine. Today sucks. It's, it's, I had a friend who's now a priest uh, for religious order, but before he was religious at all, you'd ask him, how's today going? His response was best day ever, every single day. Um, so... I want to be Brandon. one of those people. <laughs> to who? Father Brandon. He's Father awesome. Brandon. He's got a great beard. Great beard. <laughs> the man, the myth, the, man. the beard. That's right. <laughs> the legend. Um, so before we get into the topic of the episode, speaking of priests, Father Wager, would you mind sharing just a little bit, I'm sure it's a very long story, but just a little bit about where God has you in your life right now and how he got you to that point with the... <laughs> sure. Uh, very briefly, uh, growing up, didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, all I really knew is I wanted to be a dad. 
Um, and so I was like, cool, let's get married. And so went all throughout high school and college anticipating getting a good job and supporting a family and having a bunch of kids. And that was the hope and the dream. And when I got to college, I was getting my degree in electrical engineering, was dating a wonderful girl. And when I was considering marrying her, I asked God, God, what do you want for me? Mm-hmm. And that was my mistake. Dangerous uh, question. Yeah. And is this what you want? And he said, no, this is not what I want for you. Uh, mm-hmm. I want something different. And so it took me a while to actually come to terms with me not marrying this wonderful woman and actually going to seminary. But once I came to it and got to seminary, absolutely loved it. And yeah. I was like, this is fulfilling that desire for fatherhood that I had in a way that I hadn't anticipated. Wow. Um, so God called me to it and I'm glad he did because I, not that I would have been sad or not fulfilled in marriage, mm-hmm. but, uh, as a priest, I feel extremely fulfilled. So it's That's so been awesome. And now I'm the parochial vicar here at St. Michael the Archangel in Leewood. Whoop, whoop. Shout out. That's right. <laughs> I feel like Alyssa. I feel like I'm just going to start channeling. Yeah. Alyssa's my little sister. Alyssa. We have a podcast called The Priest and the Pig, and you should look it up. You should look it up. It's really good. They roast each other, and it is so entertaining because who wants to just listen to a podcast? Like, That's right. you listen to the podcast. Yes, for the great content, but also yes, because it's a priest and his sister roasting each other, and it's adorable and hilarious. Great, I'm glad you enjoy it. I do enjoy it. So if y'all are interested, check out that link in the description below, the Priest and the Pagan podcast. Podcast, podcast, podcast. So, yeah, thanks. That's an awesome story. Thanks for sharing. Praise God for that. That is amazing. It's Um, been a journey, and I've loved every moment of it. That's awesome. Well, this, speaking of (laughs) every moment of it, today, it just so happens that my God is asking you to make this episode (laughs) with Joy and Hope. So that's exciting. Thanks for being here. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, this is awesome. Um, We're actually in my office, so it's a pleasure to have you here. Yeah, I should say thanks for having us, (laughs) us being the royal we. That's right. Oh, I use the royal we all the time. A friend got me into it, and it's hard to get out of it. Good, because I do it all the time as well. So we were in Father Wager's office, and it was funny because when we got here, and he had the chairs set up, I was like, did you intentionally put this thing in the background? No, the altar cards are, they're always, they're there, and I take them when I need to say mass, so. These are Latin mass. Cards. Yeah. Cards. So if you're watching and you're like, wait, what is that? Or if you're listening and you're like, can't see. Yeah. There are Latin mass cards right behind us. Right. So let's go ahead and get into that. Wonderful. Father Wager is going to take the lead on this one because I'm going to be quite honest. I don't know much about the traditional Latin mass other than that just used to be how mass was until after the Second Vatican Council, which mm-hmm. was misunderstood, but I can't really articulate why. <laughs> and then post-1960s Mass has a different name. Novus Ordo question we'll mark. So I don't really know what I'm talking <laughs> about. So he's just here, and he's going to take it and run, and I might come back at some point. <laughs> I also might just chill. Feel free to jump in whenever you have questions. Great. Um, so, I mean, we've been doing the Mass since the first apostles. Like, Jesus told them, do this in memory of me. So they did. Mm-hmm. Um, what that looked like changes here and there over the centuries, but on the whole, the format has remained consistent. And we know this because we have records of what Mass looked like back then. Oh, really? Some references from, like the 
second generation of apostles saying, here's what goes on at the liturgy. And it has all the constitutive parts. It has a greeting, it's got readings, it's got uh, the offertory, it's got the sacrifice, it's got all those parts of the Mass that you would expect to see are still there. Um, Where is that? Like, is that written on something? Or yeah, when you so say it's, we have this it's, record? It's in an apology to Romans. So an apology is not saying sorry, it's a defense. And uh, essentially the Romans were accusing the early Christians of creating a new religion and... Uh, that's why they were being persecuted, and okay. that in this they were sacrificing their leaders and becoming cannibals, which were against the lost. So um, the, this apology was saying, here's what we actually do. Let me defend what we're actually doing. Um, and so it's a, a letter apology that we have records of what it said. So there's early evidence of that, but we also know from just the little bit of diversity that we have in the church. So the Roman Catholic Church, which is what we are, and majority of Catholics are Roman Catholic. Um, majority of Christians are Roman Catholic. But the Roman Church has the Mass as we know it, but then there's other churches that were founded in other cities outside of Rome. So you have, uh, like, the Syro Malabar Church is in union with Rome, but they're from India. And so their Corbana uh, is basically our Mass. And if in a pinch, you Catholics can actually go to a Corbana and it can count for your Sunday obligation if need be. But their liturgy has, again, those same constitutive parts of hmm. the greeting and the readings. And it flows exactly the same. If you went, they've even got the sign of peace. If you went, you would recognize it as, this is a Mass just in a different language and with some other accoutrement that you wouldn't huh. recognize. But, uh, yeah, whether you're Ukrainian or Armenian or... Uh, Whatever Catholic Church you're a part of, whatever rite you're a part of, Byzantine, uh, the Eastern Orthodox, they also have extremely similar liturgies. Uh, there's fanciness on the outside, but the core is always the same. And so, from the beginning, we've had this core. And it's changed the Kuchaman and the vestments and what's used here and what's used there. has changed little bits over time. Um, and so, when we get to the Protestant Reformation in the 1500s, uh, it was a big shakeup. And there was, <laughs> put it lightly. Right, there was uh, a lot of accusations of uh, priests doing not what they're being told to, but what they wanted, and so much variance in how the liturgy is done that people were not being formed or fed well. Mm -hmm. um, and so the church at the Council of Trent said, "Here's what the mass looks like." Um, and so the traditional Latin Mass can also be referred to as the Tridentine Mass because it comes from the Council of Trent. Um, and so from the 1500s when they set it down and said, here's what this Mass looks like, the Mass, for the most part, has looked pretty much the same. There will be a prayer added here, or saints added here or there, or this uh, extra little thing added here. Uh, but on the whole, it looks fairly the same. It Whereas the difference between the early church and the Trinitine Mass is like maybe the difference between a two-year-old and a college kid. Like, <laughs> you look at the two-year-old and you look at the college kid and you're like, I can see how we got there. For sure, like, you definitely grew up, but you're a more, more fuller person now. Uh, the Trinitine Mass said, like, all right, we're 19 and here's what we are as an adult. Um, <laughs> we're 19. This, this is us. So uh, it kind of solidified and said, this is what we're going to be. Um, and so going forward... Yeah, there were little changes here, got his ear pierced or whatever, but looks, for the most part, extremely the same. Um, hasn't started getting gray hairs yet, hasn't started really aging yet, and so 
looks for the most part the same. However, this was kind of creating some tension because the church is referred to so often in scripture as a body and the body naturally wants to grow uh, and change. And you don't look like you're 19 always. Not always. (laughs) You might, but uh, (laughs) you don't always look like you're 19. And so the church is saying, no, we need to kind of grow into where we are today. And that doesn't mean change. We're still us. But what exactly that looks like needs to be us and not what we were. Um, And so that was kind of the mindset in the liturgical reform. Now, people think everything happened at Vatican II, and that's not true. There was a lot of lead up to Vatican II with... uh, kind of liturgical reform. We can see that masses were starting to be said in the vernacular in English, even like in the 1920s. Um, they were, there were some testing and there were some pe- or different groups that were given permission to try things to figure out like, all right, if we were to update, quote the liturgy, what would that look like? And so there was trying, they were trying a bunch of things. And by the time we got to the Second Vatican Council, uh, it was, uh, okay, we do need to say, all right, let us grow. Um, and they laid out a bunch of rules. And if you actually read the documents of Vatican II, a lot of those things say, Mass should still be in Latin. You should still be doing Gregorian chant. Mm. You should be doing a lot of the things that are in the traditional Latin Mass. But because they weren't, you have to do this. It was just, you really should be doing this. Mm. A lot of people just didn't. Mm. And so that's where you got a lot of the disruption and people confused and concerned is because we went from this mass that we'd been doing for 500 years in a pretty set way, and all of a sudden everybody was allowed to do a lot of things that were not okay. Um, church hadn't quite cinched it up yet. Uh, mm-hmm. They just kind of said, like, we're trying something new, and people just went crazy. So uh, the years following the council were pretty dark times liturgically, because even the ideas that were good beforehand of, like, here's where we are and here's where we've been growing ran wild. Uh, mm-hmm. So, the <clears throat> abuses in the liturgy in those decades post uh, the council were regrettable, uh, but they did happen. But the uh, mass promulgated from the Second Vatican Council uh, could be referred to as the Pauline liturgy, as you have the Trinitine Mass. This could be the Pauline Mass because Pope Paul VI promulgated it. Okay. Um, but nobody calls it that. Uh, heard of that? <laughs> yeah. Nobody calls it that. Okay. Um, Pope Benedict uh, referred to the traditional Latin Mass as the extraordinary form and the Mass that most people see on Sunday as the ordinary form. Okay. Um, and that's kind of the preferred nomenclature in the church. Ordinary versus extraordinary? Ordinary and extraordinary forms. forms. It's Because whereas you have different rites, like I talked about the Kirbana and the other Armenian rites in Eastern Orthodox, like they have their own rites. Okay. They look different. And R-I-T-E? Okay R-I-T-E, yeah. Okay. So they look differently. They, are, they're, they have those same constitutive parts, but they have some major differences. The Roman rite is one rite. We're not two separate rites. We are one rite, and we have one mass. Now, that mass has an extraordinary form, and that mass has an ordinary form. An extraordinary form is Latin mass. Is the traditional Latin mass. Traditional right. Latin mass. And I, I avoid just saying Latin mass because I can say the ordinary form in Latin. And it's totally valid. Okay. I actually have the missile over there. It's the ordinary form. I can do literally any day just like I would. It's just everything's in Latin. Uh-huh. I have little sheets I print out for people to read off of, but... That's fine. You can do the ordinary form in Latin, and that's totally okay. 
so traditional Latin traditional mass, Latin mass or, or the extraordinary form, or extraordinary form, mm -hmm. or Trinitine. Tridentine. Yeah. Tridentine. Tridentine. Yeah. Tridentine yeah. mass is the best way to say yeah. that, and they're all the same thing. On, online, most people just say TLM for traditional Latin mass, but yeah. TLM. Yep. Okay. Now, as you had mentioned earlier, uh, common word phrase used for the ordinary form is the Novus Ordo, which yeah. is Latin for the new order. So the only time that was used, or the first time that was used officially by the church to describe the ordinary form was essentially the Pope just saying, so we have a new order of how mass is structured. Uh, it, it'd be no different than saying, hey, I got this new book. Like, it's not the name of the thing, it's just what it is. Um, and it's used in a derogatory way by those who uh, typically... Uh, frequent the t traditional Latin Mass because uh, there was such a disjunction between how Mass had been for so long and what Mass was happening mm -hmm. in the 70s. That is, this new thing is different. It is not the Mass. It is separate. Um, if you look on the back of a dollar bill, you have the like tr the pyramid with the eye on top. Yeah. Uh, and so on the bottom of that, it actually says Novus Ordo Seculorum, uh, which means the New World Order. Uh, oh, interesting. And so it's kind of an allusion to that. It's like, this is part of some Masonic plot to, like, this is not the Mass anymore. This is a new order. This is the new world order kind of thing. And that's oddly been co-opted by people who enjoy the ordinary form, probably because they just didn't know the history behind it. They're just like, cool, that's our word now. We call it the Novus Ordo. This, <laughs> that's Novus our Ordo word mass. now. <laughs> it's the Novus Ordo Mass. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. That's what we call it. Cool. Uh, so... The naming is weird, but Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, I think, did a very good thing when he said, "We have the extraordinary form and the ordinary form." And I try to use those as often as I can. I'll say EF and OF in shorthand, but okay. So don't try not to refer to it as Novus Ordo, right? Because it just means new order, and it's not necessary. Right. It'd be like calling somebody stupid and them being too stupid to not know that stupid was derogatory. <laughs> and so they're like, cool, what? I'm stupid. And it's like, well, you we don't embrace it. But <laughs> we did. Uh, and so I'm not saying that we're stupid for calling ourselves the Novus Ordo. Maybe it was a good move to just say, cool, we're going to take on that identity. But the idea of... We we don't we want to disassociate ourselves from the idea that the mass that we say ordinarily is something new, as though it isn't mm -hmm. two thousand years old, and okay. it just looks different. That's a really uh, good point. Yeah, so we want to make that distinction because the both masses, the extraordinary form and the ordinary form, are valid and approved by the church. And if you have a problem with that, you got to take it up with the church. So um, I think it's cool. Okay, yeah. so do you want to say something really fast about what? what you mean when you're saying it's a valid mass. Yeah, so, as my friend uh, Deacon Luke Doyle puts it, um, validity is whether Jesus shows up or not. Lyseity is how pissed he is when he shows up. <laughs> so if something is valid, <laughs> it means Jesus was there. He showed up. Like, that was an actual mass. Okay. If something's invalid, it wasn't a real mass. So if you're using... Ritz crackers and uh, Welch's grape juice for the host mm -hmm. and the chalice. That's not valid matter that can actually become the host. That's not a valid mass. Mm -hmm. um, even if a lot goes wrong in the mass, if the priest takes a piece of unleavened bread and says, this is my body, and takes a chalice of wine and says, this is my blood, that's a valid mass. 
Um, so Jesus showed up, even if everything else just goes to pits. It was a valid mass. Lysaity is how was it done well or was it done properly? I oh, guess. okay. And so there's tons of masses that are very illicit and mm-hmm. shouldn't be done as they're done. They're still valid. It's just it's, it's gross. And so that's why he says it's how pissed Jesus is when he shows up because he's there and he's like, "What are you doing?" Uh, as I prayed in the opening prayer for orthodoxy, uh, orthodoxa, mm-hmm. uh, that means right praise or right glory, right worship. Um, and so it's good for us. Like I said, we're made for worship. We're made to give God glory. And so God has preferred means of being glorified, just like any person in a relationship has a preferred mean of being loved. Mm-hmm. Um, so the church is trying to love God as best she can. Um, and so if we're doing things orthodoxy and we're doing things licitly and validly, uh, then it's a good and beautiful liturgy. If we're veering from those things, we're not giving God right praise. You know what I thought of when you said, if we do this, this, and this, it's a good thing? Have you seen The Office? Yeah. Okay, before we started, we were talking about Parks and Rec, but that made me think of The Office, and it made me think of Michael Scott. It's a win-win-win. It's a win-win-win. <laughs> it's a win-win-win. That's right. Um, cool. Father Wager and his sister Alyssa on the Priest and the Pagan podcast have been doing a really cool series on sacraments. Have you made the one about the Eucharist yet? Yeah. Okay. I kind of remember or not. It's awesome. So if you want to learn more about what Mass is and what the purpose of that sacrament is, etc., that would be a really great resource. Um, so see the link in the description below for that as well. Um, but going back to so Latin Mass, and we're talking about Right. Or, excuse me, traditional Latin Mass slash extraordinary form slash Tridentine. Tridentine Mass. I yep. am learning to. You're, you're nailing it. Um, win, win, win. Um, yeah, going back to that. So here we are nowadays, extraordinary form, ordinary form. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just go out on a limb and say tons of Catholics at this point, like me, grew up never knowing that the traditional Latin Mass was a thing, so therefore we're not accustomed to it, and never learned Latin, and at this point don't like learning languages, slash suck at learning languages. So it's like, for me, I've been to traditional Latin Mass, Mm -hmm. and there have been times where that experience is amazing and Mm -hmm. beautiful, it's always amazing and beautiful aesthetically, mm-hmm. but sometimes I'm able to enter into prayer well, and then some days I'm just not feeling it, right. and that's me, and faith isn't a feeling, so I get that. Right. But I guess my question is, is it better mm-hmm. to do the traditional Latin Mass, and as someone who didn't grow up with it, therefore doesn't honestly like it right. or prefer it, right. is it something that... I sh- but I really should get back into or make a point to understand better and like go to or is it okay to go to ordinary form masses and never desire to know more or learn more not like right. oh I'm against it like here right. we are making this you episode right. I'm learning more I do go when I'm like invited right. or sometimes inspired back home my priest started um doing ma- uh, traditional Latin Mass Saturday mornings on the first sun- or on the first Saturday of the month. Mm-hmm. And since I do what's called the first Saturday devotion and part of it's going to Mass, 
I would go to that, even right. though it was a traditional Latin mass, and it was still beautiful and amazing. I did enjoy it. So it's like, yeah, is is that good enough? Right. Is basically my yeah. question. You, you can go your whole life and never go to a traditional Latin mass and be well-fed and be a good and holy person. Okay. Um, that's distinctly possible. Um, the I would say the argument for why we'd want to not lose it mm-hmm. um, is because it... It's got a lot of what we're missing right now in the ordinary form. Um, And I think ideally the hope is that because we went from kind of stuck at 19 and then jumped to 35, uh, that there's some sort of coming together of, all right, let's let's see where we're actually at in the middle. Um, And there's been talk, very low-level talk, but talk, of like, what would it look like if we brought these two forms into one? Um, some major changes are one: the language not needing to be in Latin in the extraordinary form; it needs to be in Latin. Um, part of that is so that you don't change things, uh, mm-hmm. especially as the priests. Priests have a bad habit of doing what they want. I know one priest I really do love, but uh, he. He would hold up Jesus, and rather than behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world, he'd go, this is Jesus. I was like, that's not the words. Mm. Just say the words. And so when it is in a foreign language that you understand but not well enough to change, there's some, there's some safety there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> humility, too. Some humility, right. So it's, and it helps you to realize this is not my prayer. This is the church's prayer that I'm participating in. Um, so there's some value in that language. Um, the calendar was also a big change. So they used to celebrate a lot more saints. It was like every single day had a saint, yeah. essentially. And so they kind of cut back on the number of saints, let a lot more be, all right, if you celebrate this locally, celebrate it locally, but it's not going to be a worldwide thing. And I, honestly, not a bad thing, I think. Uh, we're getting more ordinary time than you would in the extraordinary form because we're on a three-year cycle uh, as far as the readings go. Uh, whereas the extraordinary form is only on a one-year cycle, as far as the readings. Mm-hmm. So there's some benefit to that and some deficit to that. Yeah, it's good in that you have more readings and so you hear more scripture. Uh, but the deficit is also that one year where it's like the solid readings that everybody needs to hear and be reminded of all the time. And there's been a lot of Sundays where it's just like, yep, like those are the readings. All right, let's get back to it. And... To have that kind of like, no, these are the hard-hitting like things you need to be wrestling with every year. So it's not like a, well, we'll, we'll hit this reading again in three years and see, yeah. if, it, see if it hits me different. Uh, but to have it every year, that's, there's something to that. And so exactly what the readings would look like or the calendar would look like or languages would look like is kind of up in the air. But there's also a lot of things missing uh, in the ordinary form. It was um, much more simplified when they went to the ordinary form. Some have claimed there's like, a lot that was just superfluous movement, um, and it wasn't actually doing anything. But, well, it was doing something, it just wasn't necessary, I guess. Um, but I missed some of that. So when I, uh, during, during the Mass, during the, uh, canon of, the canon when I am praying over the uh, host and the chalice that have just been consecrated uh, and are now the body and blood of Jesus Christ, uh, there's a part where you make a triple sign of the cross over all the gifts and then one over the bread and then one over the chalice. 
Uh, and I do that with my eyes because the ordinary form doesn't ask me to do it. But mm-hmm. like with my eyes, I'm like still trying to bless these things because like these are holy, these are good, and like all that's within me is just like I want to bless these things and I want mm-hmm. to like make it known and seen that this is holy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that kind of protection of the holy uh, has been kind of stripped away. And uh, some have argued that that's the reason why we've lost um, a real faith in the Eucharist and mm-hmm. an understanding of this is this is Jesus. Yeah. Uh, because we've taken away those safeguards. Um, so another example would be how to receive communion. In the yes. traditional Latin Mass, you come forward, there's an altar rail, you kneel, you put your hands under the corporal, a uh, little sheet that's hanging over the rail, uh, and you you don't respond. You just open your mouth, and the priest comes by, says what he says, and puts the host in your mouth. And you receive, and you go back to your seat. Um, there's no standing. There's no receiving on the hand. Um, now, when you go to a traditional Latin Mass and you receive communion, there is a sense of, like, this is something special. This is not just ordinary bread. This is not just come forward and receive a snack. This is held in some sort of high esteem. And even if you don't understand the words, you can get that sense. Um, Sometimes, and I see it because I distribute communion all the time, people don't approach the Eucharist with that kind of reverence, and it's not forced upon them. Um, And so one important aspect of the Eucharist is that we receive the Eucharist rather than take. Mm -hmm. It's about receiving a gift. Yeah. Uh, and you, when you're kneeling and your mouth is open, like you can do nothing but receive. You look like a baby bird, just like waiting yeah. for mom yep. to feed you. Helpless. Yeah, helpless. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> but I see all the time, like I'll hold up the host and say the body of Christ and somebody will like go to grab the host from me or mm. very grabby. <laughs> and it's like, no, we need to be receiving. So like, even if you are receiving on the hands, like you need to. Just be there and receive. Like, I'm fine with this being a sign of begging and a sign of, like, please, sir. Like, I'm fine with that. But you need to be receiving. And that's not mandated in the ordinary form. It's still a good practice that we should encourage, Mm -hmm. uh, that we need to have this disposition of receiving, but it's not mandated as much. And so what I find in the traditional Latin Mass is a lot of the things that are good and holy are mandated. And if you don't understand why they're mandated, it could easily just seem like a bunch of rules that you don't care about. Mm -hmm. Um but and so in the ordinary form they've kind of released a lot of those mandates to let you engage in the liturgy where you're at as opposed to the level they want you to be um but that also means that we're not being formed into the good and holy people that we are in the same way that we once were it requires a lot more of us to be actively participating in that way um and active participations really been a big discussion about this whole affair, ordinary form and extraordinary form of what does it mean to actively participate? The whole church throughout the centuries have been like, yeah, like you need to be engaged in the liturgy, but what does that mean to actively participate? Does that mean you have to be saying things? Does that mean you have to be holding your hands up? What is, what does it mean to actively participate? And the church Mm -hmm. has been pretty adamant that it's not about doing things. It's about a disposition and you participating in the offering that the priest is doing. Um, So, again, something that's kind of forced upon you in the extraordinary form, as you mentioned, like, it can be really beautiful or it can be 
a nothing burger, depending on whether you are able to participate. It's kind of like a switch. It's like either you're in it and you're like, that was awesome, or you just weren't in it that day and you're like, that was mess. <laughs> um, whereas in the ordinary form, there's a bit more level of engagement mm -hmm. of you can be in it all the way and like that was a great mass or you can be completely off or you can be somewhere in between which is not a bad yeah. thing to have um, but I learned both the extraordinary and the ordinary form because I think the extraordinary form is beautiful um, and it has a lot to offer that isn't necessarily in the ordinary form but the ordinary form not only is it ordinary and we do it a lot but uh, it is trying to reach the Catholic who could never find that flip of like, yeah, I'm getting something out of it. And they were just stuck in, this is just the mess. Um, and so it's trying to reach people where they're at, as opposed to just demanding that they be at a level of sanctity before engaging. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of good things about it. And there's a lot of things that, yeah, kind of needed to be addressed. And the ordinary form is the way the church has addressed it over the past 50 plus years, 60 years. Um, and, it's got, it's got work to do, but uh, we're trying, and we do it in little ways. So, uh, yeah, like one cool thing that I always love is Latin is a language, dead language, which means that it can't change. Like, it's just what it is. It's whatever <laughs> the church essentially says it is. Um, and so when the church says something in Latin, that's what it means. It's not open to interpretation. It's just, no, this is what it is. Um, modern languages change. Uh, something being cool, like, didn't always mean that it was good. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, even in my own lifetime, I've seen something be called bad as though it was good. And now we're back to bad being bad. And it's just like, what if that was in the liturgy? Like, just like, Lord, you are all, you are all good or you're all bad. <laughs> and it was said in that time when bad meant really good. And then here we are years later going, what do you mean? God's all bad. Yeah. And so... Latin being a dead language kind of preserves it and says this is this is what it is. Um, also, piously, the three languages written on the cross, um, mm -hmm. the three languages that said uh, Jesus Christ, King of the Jews, are uh, Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. And those three are retained in the extraordinary form. So you have a bunch of Latin. Uh, you have Greek when you say Kyrie eleison. Um, so that's Greek. And we can still do that in the ordinary form, but you don't have to. Okay. Uh, and then the Hebrew is like, Amen, Hosanna, uh, Alleluia. Those are Hebrew words. And so we do, for the most part, retain those in the ordinary form. But we're missing the Greek and we're missing the Latin most of the time in the ordinary form. So mm. we've kind of lost some of those holy languages. Yeah. Um, so there's lots of little like cool stuff like that that's just like when you know that, you're like, oh, cool. That but, makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But like in the ordinary form, when I do that, I... If I could have my ordinary form how I liked it, uh, and I wasn't, I was just saying mass by myself, really, uh -huh. uh, I'd use the Kyrie. I would do a lot more in Latin. Uh, and not everything, like the readings, I'd probably still do in English, but like the invitation to the prayer, just a simple oremus, uh, is totally allowed and permissible. And you could figure out pretty quickly when the priest goes, oremus. Yeah. Uh, that is like, and then he turns around and says a prayer that Oremus means let us pray. So <laughs> if you've been Catholic long enough, if you go to an ordinary form mass in Latin or an extraordinary form mass, uh, there, you're not going to be able to engage in the same way that you would if you uh, went just to an ordinary form in your vernacular language, in your common language, um, because you're very used to hearing and responding uh, mm -hmm. to things. But 
if you're attentive and actually focused on what's happening, it'll look extremely similar. Mm-hmm. Um, I love saying the ordinary form in Latin because the canon, the prayers are the same. Like, oh, yeah. th- I'm saying the same words and I know that I've read them in when I'm practicing the extraordinary form. I'm like, oh, it's right here. So to me, I'm just like, yeah, it's, there's some real continuity here um, that a lot of people feel is lost. So going forward, I think the extraordinary form and the ordinary form are kind of living side by side right now. And I would love it if they kind of came together, the ordinary form became more extraordinary mm-hmm. and the extraordinary form also to some extent became more ordinary. It, uh, it's adopted the new calendar or it's because uh, the old calendar can be a mess sometimes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it adopted some parts of the new calendar while keeping like uh, Ember Days and stuff like that, which I'm sure you've never heard of. Nope. But, uh, Ember Days and Rorate Saturday and all these like kind of celebrations that were optional and they were so optional that they just got left. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they're really good and beautiful and fruitful if you do them. Um, but to that extent, lots of things were optional to help people. And then we just dropped them. And I see that pattern a lot of, unless it's asked of us, we just don't do it. Um, and because of that, we never do it. And then we get to a point where we forget that we were ever suggested to do it. Uh Um, yeah. So I see, I see that a lot. And so that, that does break my heart. But, uh, as someone who has read and knows what was and is seeing what is and saying, hey, remember, we were supposed to do this. Let's do this. We can help steer that back and make mass not what it was, uh, make the ordinary form the extraordinary form, but definitely elevate it to what it was meant to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because the Vatican II documents by no means said what's going on today is what should be normal. Yeah. So. I really like... Maybe I should have explained that better, too. I really like going to ordinary form masses that are merged mm. with the extraordinary form. There was one time where we walked out of a particular church, and it, it was just such a beautiful blend of the two that one of my friends made the comment, this is what Vatican II had in mind whenever right. they were talking about this mass that, yeah, was... Maybe some of the readings are in English that right. I can understand, but all of these other parts are so beautiful, and they do come from the traditional Latin Mass, and I thought that was a really cool point. And ever since then, I was like, yes, those, like that's my right. ideal. So there's a religious order in Chicago called the Canons Regular of St. John Cantius. They own St. John Cantius downtown, and it's beautiful. It's a wonderful church. But um, their founder was essentially like the student of one of the heads of the reform of the liturgy. Mm -hmm. And so he learned kind of what the ideal was. Like, here's what we were going for, and that's what he grew up with, and that's what he knew. Um, And so then when he founded this order, he said, I'm going to retain that. So this order does the extraordinary form and the ordinary form every weekend, um, and they do both beautifully. And Mm -hmm. a lot to what you're saying is like, they knew they knew what was supposed to be done and what was actually asked for, even though it wasn't mandated. And they're doing what was asked, even though it wasn't mandated. Um, and that's like I said earlier about loving someone in a relationship and like, here's how I want you to love me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to mandate that you love me this way, but I would love you to love me this way. Mm-hmm. That's that's what they're hitting, and it, it is so beautiful and good. And what what's their order? Uh, the Canons Regular of Saint John Cantius. Yeah. That's a mouthful. They're but good guys. <laughs> good guys. Good guys. Good guys. 
Well, thank you so much, Father. That was so informative. I learned a lot. <laughs> I learned a lot. I had fun. Did you have fun? I had fun. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to share about the traditional Latin Mass and its place in the Catholic tradition? So, uh, Benedict XVI uh, in Samorum Pontificum said that the extraordinary form has a place. Like, priests should be allowed to do it. You can't deny a priest the right to do it. So, um, with that, I definitely, me and several guys in seminary said, yeah, let's learn it. So, me and about eight guys out of the 30 guys in my ordination class at seminary learned how to do the extraordinary form. Cool. There's plenty of priests I know who post-seminary learned how to do the extraordinary form. Now, I only do the extraordinary form essentially on my days off or when I don't have masses for the church because you should really only be saying one mass during a weekday. So if I have the opportunity, sometimes I will, sometimes I'll just say the ordinary form in Latin. Um, but there, you probably know a priest who knows the extraordinary form. Um, or if you talk to your priest, he'll know of a priest who knows the extraordinary form. So if you're interested in it, ask. Yeah, I was going to say on an ending note, are there any resources that you would recommend if people do want to learn more or educate themselves? Yeah, um, there's plenty of good books out there um, as to what what's actually going on, but the real nut of it is you really just need to go experience it. Mm -hmm. And uh, lots of times when people go to their first traditional Latin mass, they're trying to follow along in the books and they're trying to keep up and yeah, do all those things. That. Yeah, and <laughs> it's like, I cannot do this. Like it, it's a lot because they move. They're not waiting for you. It's not a learning mass. It's just mass for them. So uh, you can get lost very easily. My recommendation is the first time you go, just sit and try to absorb. And if you're attentive to what's going on, you'll notice a lot of the same portions. There's a greeting, there's readings, there's the sacrifice and the offertory, and it's, it's there. Um, you're not going to feel totally lost. If you're trying to follow along in the book, you're going to get six pages behind and you'll feel lost. But if you're mm -hmm. just experiencing it, you'll recognize it. So, um, yeah, if you do go, just find a local church that does it and experience it. Win, win, win. Win, win, win. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Right, it's my pleasure, Maureen. Will you close us in prayer? Sure. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Veni Sancti Spiritus, come, come Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Lord, thank you for this time with Morgan. Thank you for this opportunity to speak about both the ordinary and extraordinary forms. Help us to learn more about your divine liturgy that we may fully embrace this prayer of the church, the most sacred prayer we have. Help us to appreciate the many blessings you've bestowed upon us and to use those always for your greater glory. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the Father, Father, Son, Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. A special thanks to Father Wager for taking time out of his busy schedule to be here. My pleasure, Morgan. In his own office. In my own office. Um, and also, if you liked this video, give it a thumbs up. If you want to share it with someone or had somebody come to mind, send it to them. Um, maybe they, like me, have no idea what traditional Latin Mass is or what is really going on or what the church really has to say about it. So feel free to send it to a friend. We hope that it helped you as well, and we hope to see you all back here again soon. God bless. God bless. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Joy and Hope podcast. We're 
we seek to bring light to the dark. If you enjoy our mission, we would love for you to become a patron on Patreon. Our patrons are what make it possible for us to continue doing joy and hope full-time, bringing you the inspiring creative content that uplifts you to live more joyful, hopeful lives. So please consider supporting us. Thanks so much for being here today. God bless and see you next time. Thank you.